Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You can't ascribe a gift to Jesus as a waste. You and I don't get to classify what is a waste that is given to Jesus. Because if it was up to us, we'd be calling that old widow a waster. You give two mites. Why'd you give them two mites? They're worthless. Why are you wasting that? Mary's breaking this expensive vial, a year's worth of... And we, we're the ones who like to come alongside. Why, why are you being wasteful? How many times have you caught yourself giving an opinion about what someone else was doing? That's the scene today as Pastor James teaches from the book of Mark. The worldly view of material value has distorted our ability to pursue God unconditionally. Since the first day in Eden, we've criticized the offerings given and judged others for their sacrifice. Pastor James is clear today that when it comes to Jesus, no price or limit of value can be assigned to a decision to follow him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 14 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. For a woman back then, her hair was like everything. And she's going to take her hair and clean Jesus' feet with her hair. Now, I mean, if that doesn't impress us, then we just do not understand what the scriptures are saying. We don't get this scene. This is absolutely an incredible act of devotion. Devotion. Especially when you dig into this alabaster jar, like why did she have this? This would take you all year and all your paychecks to pay for this one little, one little container of perfume. That's the common salary, 300 denarii. So it's accounting, obviously, you're like, well, it's 365 days in a year. But you're counting for days off, holidays, celebrations, festivals, all that Sabbath. You got to account for all that stuff. So a full year's wage, not savings, not savings, wage, earned income. Where, where did Mary get this from? Because even being a, a woman in this culture, I mean, there's no guarantee that even her working a full year that she would make enough to buy that. There's an idea that this is an inheritance, that this was passed down to her. I can agree with that idea. I, there's a better one, though, that I think actually better applies to the story. And I believe it was a dowry for her. Because it would have been around that same amount. And a dowry would be what a father, you know, when he's going to give his daughter over to a man for, her, for them to be wed, the father would give a, a dowry. I think, and a lot of other guys would agree with this, not saying we're right, but it seems like this would be something that would be able to secure for her a future wedding. A future wedding. Now Mary sees big picture. She knows there's a future wedding coming. Jesus is the bridegroom. She's part of the bride of Christ. And she decides, 
we don't know much about, I mean, I don't know much about Mary, I should say that. You may know more about her than I do. I don't know if she went on to be married. I don't know. I don't know what happened to Mary beyond all this stuff. I know she was still part of the church and all that good stuff. There's a lot of church history concerning that. But I do know this. There's a marriage supper of the Lamb that's going to be happening, and she's going to be there. And she invested in that back then. She's like, this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. This is Yeshua. He's the groom. I got this this thing that represents well, in that culture, everything for me as a woman. And I'm going to give up my all to Jesus. Incredible act of devotion. I mean, this is like, this is really, it, this is on the same level as a widow dropping her two only mites, two little bitty coins. Remember, we talked about this in chapter 12, into the offering box for Jesus. Same kind of thing. You got a widow who gave all. She gave all. Why? Because she trusted in Jesus. Now you have, in Mark's gospel, he doesn't give her a name, but in John's gospel and the other gospels, we know that it's Mary. And she breaks this thing. She breaks her future. She breaks everything to pour it out onto the head of Jesus and then to stoop down and wipe his feet with her hair, her crown of glory, because she's, she's all in. She's all in. This is what worship looks like. This is what devotion looks like. This is beautiful. This is one of the most beautiful stories. And to see it contrasted with where the religious leaders were. They're looking to kill Jesus. And then there's a guy in this story. His name is, well, you know his name. His name is Judas. And he has his own interpretation and reaction and all that good stuff to this beautiful event. But put yourself there in the small little home, okay? Their houses were super tiny. Put yourself there, and you could smell. I wish I had some spikenard. I don't. Um, But where you could just, if you ever get a chance, just to smell it and let that scent take you back in time to this moment. It's a beautiful, it's a fragrant aroma. I've smelled it before. It's, It's beautiful. But put yourself there in that room as she's just broken the thing, and you're watching her. You know what that little you know, perfume bottle represents. You and I, if she was at church today and Jesus was sitting on the front row and she showed up and did that, we would be like, you're crazy, right? We might even have ushers to ready to escort her out of here, right? <laughs> well, don't mess up a church thing, right? It's just so silly. But that's what she did. In this setting, they're breaking bread, and, and they're, they're honoring Jesus, and nobody honored Jesus better than Mary in this moment. She gave him all that she had. She didn't just give him all that she had. She gave him her future. It's one thing to give all that you have right now, today. She sacrificed her future for him. Beautiful. Amazing. Now, if I was a good pastor who was all about your money, this is where I'd be like, yeah, so what, you know, let's, hey, break out your checkbooks and all that stuff. You're going to invest in your, no, I'm not going to say that because that's your business between you and God. This is what she had. This is what she offered. This was precious to her. And she trusted in him with everything she had. That has to be my heart. Yes, that involves my finances. Yes, it does. Because that's giving is an act of worship, but it involves so much more. Do I trust them with my finances? Kinda. Do I trust them with my future? 
kind of. Mary shows up and she's like, I'm all in. I'm all in. No, no, Mary, what are you doing? That's crazy. That's your dowry. How are you going to be able to get married? I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. To a little old widow throwing in two mites. What are you doing? You're crazy. Just give them one. Keep one for yourself. They're worthless anyways. I'm all in. I'm all in. Why? Because he's all in for me. She got it. I mean, she may not have understood that she's doing this as a preparation for his burial, but she knew enough to know that this is the Messiah. This is Yeshua. This is Jesus. This is God in flesh. I'm all in because he showed up and he was all in for us. Beautiful. Amazing. That has to be my heart. That has to be my heart concerning me and him. What a great example. What a beautiful example of what real worship, devotion looks like. Pours it over his head, wipes his feet with her hair. Verse 4, back in Mark chapter 14, some of those at the table were indignant. That's a word that means mad, mad. They were upset. Have your parents ever been indignant with you? They probably have been, okay? Have you ever been indignant with anybody else? You probably have been. You might have been indignant with somebody driving to church today. <laughs> Maybe they cut you off or just pulled out right in front of you, which I don't know why happens all the time in Galveston. But my goodness, we just, that just, I don't, I'll never understand it. I'll never understand it. It happened to me last night, and I was indignant. I was indignant. I'm like, how did you not see me coming? I have a problem with being indignant for all the wrong reasons, just like the disciples. They were indignant. They were mad at her. They're there around the table. None of them have offered Jesus anything. None of these guys offered, and we'll see this in a later story, just a day later, chronologically, None of these guys ever even offer to wash his feet. Never, ever offer to wash Jesus' feet until Jesus is there washing Peter's feet. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. Let me do that for you. Why are you waiting until now? Why didn't you do that when you first walked in? Well, that's a servant's job. Ah, that's a problem with leadership, isn't it? It's beneath you. They didn't offer Jesus anything. And here's this lady who gives him everything And we know from the other gospel accounts, the ringleader, so to speak, of this indignation is Judas Iscariot. But to the detriment of the other disciples, they jump in on it. And this is Peter's account with Mark. And he says, some of those at the table, not all of them, but Peter might have been including himself. I mean, like, we were mad. Well, it started with Judas, And then, you know, I kind of jumped on that as well, because that's just what Peter does sometimes. But here's the complaint. Why waste such expensive perfume? I'm sorry, what? Why waste? Waste? You've been walking with this guy for three years. You watched this guy break multiple loaves of bread and fish and feed thousands upon thousands of people. You just watch him raise her brother from the dead. Why the waste? You can't ascribe a gift to Jesus as a waste. 
you and I don't get to classify what is a waste that is given to Jesus. Because if it was up to us, we'd be calling that old widow a waster. You gave two mites. Why'd you give them two mites? They're worthless. Why are you wasting that? Mary's breaking this expensive vial, a year's worth of, and we, we are the ones who like to come alongside. Like, why are you being wasteful? Oh, because we're such good people. Because why? We care about the poor. Really? You and I don't get to classify where somebody's gift lies. It doesn't matter. Number one, it's none of your business. It's not my business. She wants to give him a year's worth of money that was in the form of a perfume. That's between her and the Lord. That's not my business. I don't get to come alongside like, well, you know, if you, what you should have done was just sold it and given all the money to the poor. That makes me sound really good, right? That makes me sound really good, really pious. You know, we're very religious, like as if I care about the poor at all. They don't. They don't. They're just doing the religious thing. Because during Passover week, it was customary to give extra gifts towards the poor. Why waste such an expensive perfume? They asked. Now, again, Peter with Mark, they're not calling anybody out. But we know in John's, we just read that, John's account in chapter 12, he's like, no, it was Judas. It was that dude. It was that guy. He sold him out. It was that guy. He did it. I don't mind calling names. I don't mind naming names. Like, that was John, and whom Jesus loved. That's, that's the title he gave to himself. Here in, in this gospel account, it, it doesn't say that, but we know that it was Judas. You stay there, Mark. Let me just read from you John's little insight into this. Verse 4 of John chapter 12, John says, But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wage. Nobody would know that better than Judas Iscariot, by the way. Right. Nobody. Um, and just so you understand, Judas Iscariot, he's not a Galilean. He's a little bit of an outsider with this group anyways. Resume-wise, he, he looks Perfect. You know, if you're going to do the resumes of all the disciples, and some guys have done this before, Judas Iscariot was the most qualified guy on paper to be a Christ follower. He blew everybody else out of the water concerning his upbringing, his family, where he was from, all of that stuff. And he was very, very willing, very willing to betray Jesus. It says he knew how much that was worth and this is what he says. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. And if, you're just, if you don't know anything else about Judas Iscariot and you don't know this story or anything like that, you'll be like, yeah, that does kind of make sense. I mean, there was poor people then, and they probably could have used that money. That a year's worth of wages would have go a long way within that community. John goes on to clarify, though, verse 6, not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he carried the treasury box. He often stole some for himself. Ah, motive. There you go. There it is. So it is 
Judas is the one who has the biggest issue with how this lady was choosing to worship Jesus. And he is, he had the biggest problem with it because he was carrying around the money box. And what he was doing was helping himself to all the money that was coming in meant to go towards the mission. That's why he's mad. Because he just watched 300 denarii slip through his fingers. I mean, that was going to help him out to at least uh, half a year's year's wages for himself, however much he could have stolen from it, where he wouldn't have to work. See how we start with the religious leaders looking to kill Jesus, and then you have this beautiful story, an act of devotion from Mary anointing Jesus with this oil, and then you sandwich that with just the corruption of Judas Iscariot. That's the literary style that Mark chose to use. He wants to frame this out so that you and I have a really good understanding of the depravity of man's heart. But in the midst of that, there are these little episodes of just beauty, of beauty, which can be true for us. You don't have to be like a Judas Iscariot. You don't have to be like a religious leader and a scribe and all that stuff. You don't have to be like those guys. You can be like Mary. And the world needs more Marys. Then Judas's, nobody even names their kid Judas anymore, right? Like, no, why would you do that? That's like, isn't that funny how nobody, as far as I know, nobody's naming their kid Judas. But these guys, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, just frame this story out in such a beautiful way. But it also lets us know just what was happening during that last week within the heart and the mind of Judas. This just exposed who he was. Jesus replied to them in Mark's gospel account, verse 5, because I don't want to skip that verse, right? It says, it could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. My goodness, what is wrong with us? Why do we do that? But we do that, don't we? When somebody worships or offers something to Jesus that we deemed unacceptable or, or a waste, We're very quick to attack each other, which, by the way, is very off-putting to the lost world around us. They don't want any part of the church that seems to be fighting amongst themselves all the time, okay? They will know you by what? Your love for each other is what Jesus told his disciples. Jesus replied, he comes to our rescue. Jesus always comes to the rescue. He replies, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. Jesus is like, yeah, I care about poor people too, but you're going to always have them with you. However, you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. Now, again, she may not have known that, but that's what Jesus has ascribed to her. He's like, she's just preparing me for my death, which he'd been telling them this for a while. He says, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news or the gospel is preached throughout all the world, this is a little hyperbole, right? Because this isn't like, not literally, they're always going to be talking about this. But in this moment, he's using her illustration as just a, a teaching point. This woman's deed will be remembered and discussed, meaning the smell of spikenard will always bring this story back to their minds, to their remembrance of how she prepared the body of Jesus for his burial, for his burial. 
and this should have just been one of those other things that would wake up the disciples to the fact that like he keeps talking about dying a lot. And he even keeps mentioning the fact that he's going to get buried and he has reference a little bit that he's going to be coming back, but he seems to be increasing this more and more. And he's like, yeah, and he's going to spend a, you know, the rest of his teaching telling him like, I'm leaving. I'm going away. It's better that I go away though so that the Holy Spirit can be with you. But is that scene, that remembrance, it's kind of like a flashback scene. As that comes to a close, we're right back. We're right back to, from the religious leaders to their new partner in crime. Verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come. And they promised to give him money So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus, which they would give him money. We'll see this later, but it will be the price of a slave. uh, And he is more than willing to partner with the leaders of the day in order to betray Jesus because there's financial gain for him. And this solves their greatest dilemma, which is Jesus. Mark frames this out as like kind of like this little flashback scene of like, remember this story? Remember Judas's part within this story? That's one of the things that fed into this motivation for him to seek out the high priest to betray Jesus. What's crazy about that is he'll be filled with Satan himself, be possessed by Satan, maybe not even one time, maybe actually on two different occasions. He becomes a willing vessel to the enemy to betray Jesus. He was willing. Make no mistake about it. Some people feel bad for Judas. Like, oh, he didn't really have control, right? And he was willing. He was absolutely willing to play that part. And that beautiful story of this anointing and all that, it was just, it was almost the straw that broke the camel's back for Judas. He's like, this Jesus following this guy, this is going nowhere. He didn't come to conquer. He didn't come to rule. Sounds like he came to die. I'm not going to be for that Messiah. I'll sell him out, and we will look for another one, was probably his motivation. Because he, all he cared about was just being right next to the guy. And when he figured out that that wasn't going to be a possibility for him, because he's not following him to death, Judas is all about, I want to be rich. I want to be popular. I want to be famous. And hanging out with this guy won't get me there. So I'll turn him in, and we will look for another that was Judas's motivation. It will also be his demise, as he will soon take, in a few days, he will take his own life. But isn't it crazy how you got corruption on this side with the leaders, you got corruption on this side with Judas Iscariot, and right in the midst of that, in this dark, bleak picture, it's just this beautiful image of just light and hope. It's, it's amazing. That has to be you and I in this world we live in today. You can choose to be one of the legalists and the Pharisees and all those guys. You can choose to be one who turns your back on Jesus because he didn't deliver for you like you thought he was going to, so you just turn your back on him and the church and all that good stuff. Or you can just be like Mary. Just be like, you know what, Jesus? Here's all I have. I'm all in because you were all in for me. That's our choices, guys. That's it. So let's be like Mary. Let's just give him all we have. All we have. 
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark. This book is fast-paced. You'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth, culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me... Of you, man.